can stop the search for something intellectual and fulfilling. You've tuned into the diary of a bald man. And there is no, no going back. Let the moaning, groaning and bitching begin in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. In 2018, at that time, I was the regional safety manager for the Dillon Group down in Charleston, Tennessee. And I had the opportunity to meet a bronze medal winner. Now, what makes this so important for those of you that are listening? This was during the Skills USA competition that was, well, okay, there was somebody else trying to get in on the show on us, but during the Skills USA competition that was currently being held in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Dillon Group was sponsoring the welding competition at our facility. And today's guest was that bronze medal winner and who has now gone on to being above the gold, Danny. So Danny, where are you joining us from today and what are you currently doing other than winning bronze medals and drinking PBR on the side? <laughs> um, well, right now I'm here in my home in Missouri. I just got off work. I'm a maintenance mechanical welder um, for the nuclear power plant here in Missouri. Wow. So they actually have a nuclear power plant out there. They do. They do. They got a lot on the East Coast, too, and I've worked a few of those, but um, it gets kind of a little more scarce out here, like when you go more West, but yes, yeah, it's right in the middle of the state. You've got to be kidding me. So that that's yeah. pretty incredible. You know, you go from being a bronze medal winner in Skills USA, and, and people, you have to look it up. I'll put it at the end of the show. You can look at the podcast notes. I'll have pictures of Danny up there. But Danny, prior to you going to work, let, let's talk about this for a second. So as of today, what does the usual morning consist of for you prior to going out and welding in a nuclear facility? Do you start it off with like a pot of coffee and six shots of Red Bull? Uh, do you get a minute and a half of yoga followed by some full contact thumb wrestling? How do you get in that drive mode and get ready to get your butt out the door and do the things you do for the nuclear industry? Um, well, I like to start my day off with a cup of coffee, sometimes two, depending on the day. Today was one of the two cups of coffee days. Really? Um, now, do you drink? I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious. Do you drink it black with cream and sugar or how do you like yours? It depends. Uh, today I drank it black. I, it just kind of, you know, like, um, when you're craving something sweet, like instead of a donut, I might put like creamer in my coffee instead of, I usually don't really put sugar in it. Creamer's just enough, but usually I'll drink it black, but sometimes I like to put some creamer into it. Now, I, I know this may sound like an odd question, but I consider myself a coffee snob. What type of coffee do you like best? Is there a particular brand you go for, like Black Rifle or, you know, uh, one of the stronger? Do you like a dark roast, light roast? What, what, is, what do you like, Danny? I like either a light roast or a medium roast. Um, I actually like grinding bullshit. my own. Oh, that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, no, go ahead. I, I, I didn't mean to say that out loud. I oh, like no, that you grind your own. Go ahead. Go ahead. My apologies. <laughs> Uh, the light roast actually um, has more caffeine in it. Really? It does. It, it wouldn't sound like it would because it's considered light. You'd assume a darker roast would have more caffeine, but because they roast it so dark, it takes more of that caffeine out 
and it has like a different taste. But that's why I kind of like the light roast and medium roast more is because of the caffeine content. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so where did, yeah. wait a minute, where did you learn about caffeine and roasting? My mom's from Washington State near the Seattle right. area. So, I mean, she's <laughs> okay. kind of also a coffee snob as well and kind of taught me a few things about it. So, <laughs> and, and for everybody listening, I actually did not know this. I've always liked the darker roast or the espresso styles just because it feels like it's kicking me in the face. So, you know, I've, I've just been schooled by Danielle. <laughs> this is bullshit. This is supposed to be my show. You just took that shit right over. Anyways, I, go ahead. Oh, um, no, you go ahead. I, I was kind of just laughing about so you you do your own grinding? Yeah, I mean, do you, and, and I'm being serious, Danny, you and I have known each other for years, um, but do you do any type of, uh, you know, outside of grinding, do you roast your own beans? Have you gotten into that yet? Or is that just, you just buy a particular brand because you like the flavor? Um, well, I can't grind every day because that's a lot of work. If <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work. You know, they have electric grinders, right? I know, but I like doing it myself. Have you ever seen uh, Dances with Wolves? Yes, ma'am. Where he's grinding oh. his coffee. Oh, yeah. That reminds me of like back in the time where they had to grind their coffee beans up like that. And I, I just, it's kind of like a respect thing. And like, I, I think that's pretty cool. But if I'm not grinding it, I usually like uh, Javalia. That's pretty good. Yes, um, ma'am, it is. I, I do not like Starbucks coffee. I do not either. And, and it, for all you Starbucks <laughs> nestlers, you know, fuck you. You guys went, you go for your thing. Um, and I mean that in a nice way. I like, I like coffee and nothing against Starbucks except for everything about Starbucks. But go ahead, Daniel. It's a little overrated. Yes, You know, it, I mean, some of it's good, but I mean, it. it's a little overrated and it's kind of expensive, to be honest with you. <laughs> You know, I joke about being a coffee snob, you know, and where you just reminded me about the old style grinders, you know, where you had to put it in, turn the crank on the top of it. I don't have one of those. I'm going to have to ask the wife if I can get that um, because I have one of the electric because I like whole bean. It does do better for me. But yeah, if you're going to go back to the roots, I like the idea that now I see why you say it's labor intensive. Yeah. And I mean, I got my coffee grinder at an Ikea for like $5. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah I, I... <laughs> Hold yeah, on. I'm writing this down. Yeah. yeah it, it, I don't know if they sell them anymore. I think I lost like a part and I was trying to look for it and all of it's in Swedish. So right, I can't, right. I don't really know the word for like, uh, grinder handle in Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll look it up for you, Danny. I'll look it up for it. So, you know, outside of the coffee and outside of, you know, the, our fascination with cattle, let me ask you this. So for the listeners, you know, you and I talked about this years ago, um, you know, and, and we'll get back to the coffee somewhere down the line, I know. But what inspired you to go into the welding field instead of some other industry or profession? You know, what made you go for that Skills USA competition where you came out with the bronze? A lot of us at Dilling Group and others thought you should have scored higher. Um, but, you know, being the only female representative at the time, what made you think of going into the welding field instead of something else? Um. 
Well, my father was actually a huge inspiration. He he worked at the nuclear power plants just like I do now, except he actually helped build them back in the 80s. Um, and I, I grew up, you know, he'd come home and they'd be working down in the bra uh, basement. My mom and him, they would be making like bracelets and horseshoe art. And, oh, wow. Yeah, they'd like cranking ZZ Top on the radio down there. And I'd oh, God, walk I in there. Them. I was like six years old. Like, hey, what <laughs> you guys doing? And they're like, watch your eyes. It's bright down here. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I'd go down there. I was kind of curious. And it, it, it I just kind of grew up around it. And it's just kind of like a part of who I am. And my dad, he, he would tell me a bunch of stories about traveling everywhere in the country. And he even went to France and, it, wow. and you know, like he took so much pride in his work and always just strived to become better. And he instilled that in me ever since I was a kid to just, no matter what you do, always give 110%, take pride in your work, be humble. Like it, he, he inspired me a lot. So, um, I was in high school when you met me in, in uh, 2018, I was a senior. So, um, yeah, I was just, I went in there and it was my last year in high school. And I was kind of just, I was kind of unprepared to be honest with you with that whole competition. I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> you didn't seem like that. Cause when we went to Chattanooga with the bus, and I got to ride, you know, up to Charleston with you guys. You know, you could tell everybody was a little bit nervous and they were looking at, you know, everybody was looking at one another wondering, you know, I wonder how skilled they are. I wonder how much experience and all they have. But you you did not give off that vibe that you didn't know what was going on. You didn't give off the vibe that, you know, you had any skills that were less than anybody else on there. And I did not pick that up from you. I mean, so you had to get some of the confidence and some of that, you know, Hey, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to see, I'm going to experience, you know, hopefully from your dad and your mom combined. Um, but you didn't give off that vibe. You really did not for a high school student. It was very impressive to watch all of you get out. You know, you, you, you were humble. Everybody was humble. Everybody was a little bit, you know, quiet and looking around. But you didn't give that off. I mean, you did not give the appearance that you were not prepared for that. I mean, Danielle, think about it. You came in with the bronze against all those others. That's surprising that you say that I didn't seem like I was nervous. I, I had no clue what was going on, to be honest with you. It, I That's kind of cool, like, listening from a different person's perspective because, like, during that time, I was probably like, oh, I bet everyone just looking at me thinking I'm a nervous wreck over here. <laughs> no, you did not give that off. And I can't remember how long we were on the bus, whatever it was from Chattanooga to Charleston. Um, yeah, I saw a couple of the other guys. I cannot remember what schools they were from. And, and you were uh, representing Greene County. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. I mean, I knew that, but I'm for people listening, they didn't know that. <laughs> um but no, you know, because one of the things for all of our listeners, you know, as a safety guy, I was having to look at for people that were looking, 
you know, like they were ready to jump off the bus or get out. Because one of the concerns was, you know, where we were moving them from the rest of the competition, where we're going to a remote location. So we wanted to be able to calm somebody down and say, hey, that's okay. You know, your parents, the people with Skills USA, everybody will be able to locate you. Uh, we're not taking you off to Knoxville and making you work on, you know, uh, construction projects that are not part of the Skills USA. Because that was actually a concern with one of the parents was us removing people uh, from the center. And Danny, you came off as cool as a cucumber. I mean, you showed nothing um, for the things that we look for, for people that were anxious or, you know, nervous outside of the competitive side. Huh, that's pretty cool. It, You know, a lot of the competition stuff kind of came as a surprise to me. Like I... I said, like, I wasn't really prepared at all for it, but I mean, that's kind of the whole point of it was to just see what you can do. Yes, ma'am. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty cool. So, I mean, I think we had to read a blueprint um, for one of the first parts of the competition and they were trying to see if you can put it together. And, and oh, yeah. the second part, um, if I can remember correctly, I think we had to do a little bit of, tig stainless on a like a t-joint right. or something like yep. that and you had to use a torch and yeah yeah we did i think those were the three main things of that competition and it, it was pretty cool and getting to meet everyone and kind of going outside of your comfort zone that it was it was a really cool experience and i think one one uh welding school offered to give me a scholarship I oh no kidding in, do you yeah, remember was, which one it was might have been tulsa oh I, really I well, okay so for those who are not familiar tulsa is one of the really big schools for welding i mean there's uh quite a few if you go on linkedin that reference the tulsa school for welding uh they go into underwater welding nuclear same as danielle I actually didn't end up going to Tulsa though. <laughs> Where'd you um, go? Uh, I went to the same school my dad went to when he started out. It's up in Troy, Ohio. It's called Hobart. Yes, ma'am. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, ma'am. You actually told too. me, I, but we're going for the listeners, but you actually told me that back when you and I were working for CNC Millwright. Yeah, they're, you know, they're really cool. They, um, they, um, help you learn more than just the welding. I mean, a lot of it, you, you do eight hours a day, five days a week. And one of those hours, the first hour of the day, you'd go in and they teach you about blueprints and like just the basic fundamentals. And then you'd pretty much just go out the rest of the day and weld. <laughs> and that was about, that was about it. You'd do other stuff too. They had more than just that. They had like metallurgy and I was going to ask, you know, what else was included? You know, like, uh, did they go into chromium six hazards and metallurgy? And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of math and fitting and, you know, talking about sugar and getting your roots and everything else. Yeah. I'm, they went a lot into the metallurgy and um, they that was kind of more of an introductory base uh, for the metallurgy. Because if you wanted to learn more of that, you could go into like QC, yes, like quality control, which is something that I find interesting, to be honest. But um, it they teach you a lot, and it's what you're willing to learn. It 
the school, the thing I like about the school, it was a 10 month program. And um, you get out of it what you put into it. You know oh, what I'm right. saying? I'm sure you do. Yeah. And it, I was, they had two different shifts. They had the day shift, like seven to three. And then they had three to 11. I was on the night shift. So there weren't a lot of kids in the night shift. <laughs> so, Listen to you. There weren't a lot of kids on the night shift. No, <laughs> there were not. Now, but, when you were in school, Danny, did they do any type of NDT or anything to say, okay, hey, you know, we've x-rayed or, you know, we did this, penetrant testing. Did they go through that with you as well? They did. They um they showed us how to watch them do it. Like, they showed us how to do the magnetic particle testing, oh, dye really? penetrant, uh, um, UT, ultrasonic testing. They showed us uh, x-ray. They showed us that. And we got, we had five AWS certifications coming out. And one of them certifications were titanium, actually. See, I can't imagine trying to weld titanium. I mean, just... Just getting it up to heat and not brittle, making it brittle. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that do that. I worked with a organization out in Vegas one time called TIMET uh, that dealt with titanium for different things. Um, but yeah, titanium, that's, you know, when, when you get into your exotic metals and things, that's just one of the things that's like, yeah, how do you weld that in aluminum? A lot of a lot of it has to do with the type of tungsten you're using, and they they're a big proponent on that too. You have so many different types of tungsten rods, like for your TIG torch. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got the red, the yellow, green. You use brown for titanium. I'm pretty. I haven't welded titanium since then. I'd like to again, but it it's pretty cool. They just teach you everything. It, it's a lot of information, but you can soak up so much. And I still even have my books that oh, they give wow. me. You're such a nerd. I love that. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You know, after the Skills USA and everything went on, how did you choose to weld for the industry that you're currently in with the nuclear instead of like as a traveling welder or a diving welder on various locations, projects, turnarounds? I mean, what, what was the thing that prompted you to go to the nuclear site after all that intensive training, including NDT and metallurgy and all that? I mean, yeah, I know on construction, there's, there's always things going on, you know, replacing pipe stuff. But what was the thing that attracted you to the nuclear side? Um, probably my dad. He, that's basically a lot of what he did um, was the nuclear. And I, I actually started off as a traveling contract worker for the nuclear plants specifically, like um, all the ones in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. I pretty much ran that circuit, but they had like, um, a lot of people come in and work. And I think I started off as a helper to kind of, kind of get an idea of what was going on. Cause you have like a bunch of background checks that you have to do. Oh yeah. You have to do, um, they have to make sure you're mentally stable before you come work there. There's obviously. no such thing as a welder that's mentally stable. I've been. Oh, the field. I agree with you that. No, that. no disrespect. <laughs> Love for the trades. But to do the shit that you guys have to do, there's just no way. And you yeah. said background checks. So under DOE, what do you require? Do you require Q clearance or how high do you have to be to be a welder? Um, 
I'm not I'm not really sure on the specifics of that. I know Is that classified? You can't discuss it. I mean, I, I'm just No, asking. it's not. I don't think it's classified if it is. Whoops. Um, no, no, no. You didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say whoops. I'm the one said Q clearance or you know, like in the military for me as a contractor, we had to have a minimum secret. But, you know, I didn't know, you know, for people that are listening that want to get on that side, if you knew, hey, this is what you have to be able to obtain. They do an FBI background investigation. They they make sure you haven't done anything. For, for me, I was 18 when I started, 18 or 19, I think. That's and the easiest time to get one, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't really in too big a trouble by then or anything. And, I mean, I'm still not, but... It, like you said, it. I was at a young age, so I didn't really have a history yet. And um, they go back like 10, 20 years. 10 years, you, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. 10 years. And then you do, uh, I'm trying to think. It's like a 300-question test. Um, oh, you're talking about the psychological profile. Yeah. Yes, yes. You had to do one of those. I actually knew someone who failed out of that. <laughs> that's like, kind of hard because like the mmpri and all those yeah the you know, mmpi that's yeah. the one that we took yeah that's yeah. I, I mean i had to take the same thing so i understand exactly that's why i said that um they ask some funny questions huh oh, oh yeah you find a dollar nobody's around do you keep it and you're like well fuck yeah it's a dollar <laughs> but if you say you won't keep 300 no you're a liar because you just said you'd keep a dollar if nobody knew yeah, they ask you the same question, like in different ways. Mm -hmm. And if you answer it differently than how you did, like, 400 questions ago, <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, oh, no, we just caught you in a lie. And it's like, man, I don't even know who I am. <laughs> like, that, you confused me <laughs> by asking these questions. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, Danny, let me ask you this. So, because you're basically a female, unless you identify as other, then I, I don't know what the hell to go from there. <laughs> so, because, I mean, I've seen a lot of welding. I've not seen the welding you've done since you left CNC and since I saw you at SkillsUSA. So, but knowing welders, knowing the industry, do you feel that this is a good profession for other women? If so, why might it be a good fit? I mean, welding, you know, there, there's so much to it and trying to get good detail. Do you think this is a good thing for other women to get into? Because there are a lot of women going to trade schools now, just like during World War II, you know, where women had to take over industry. Would you suggest this to another person that identifies as a woman, if I can say it that way? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a great profession for other women. I mean, it's just like everything else, though. It's got it's got its ups and downs. By the end of the day, I mean, you kind of have to have thicker skin a little bit. I mean, that's one thing I've kind of learned. <laughs> Is that because working in the trades, or just because, let's say, cute, you know, quality comes up and starts ripping you a new one? Um, is it because you're in a male dominant professional, do you think, or just because of not taking it personal, like, oh, you got too much sugar on this, or, you know, your root looks like shit and I, you've got to redo this and bust this? Kind of a healthy mix of both. And I mean, it is very male dominated, so you got to deal with that. And then you also have to deal with what you like yes, may not be acceptable for 
QC coming and look at it. You know, it you have to kind of learn how to deal with that and how to deal with some of the guys that you work with. They say some goofy stuff, like to shit test you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, right. No, we we I've, I've seen that numerous times, and I I didn't see it. When you and I were working with CNC Millwright, I don't know how the guys were at Sumi Rico that you were working with. I, I knew they all loved you, hands down. There, there was nobody that had anything disparaging to say when you were over there for that time. But I'm sure they busted your balls on occasion just because you were part of their crew. Oh yeah, and you know it was it was fun. It it was really fun working with them, and it 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 never felt like I didn't belong. You know, it, it felt like they really accepted me and like, even if I was a girl, like, and that's, that's, what's cool to me is that shouldn't matter, you know, and they, they shit test you to see if you're there to work and and that's what you got to show them is, Hey, I can do this too. And I'm going to, I'm going to work hard and just do my best. Yes, ma'am. I mean, yeah, and they'll and they'll shit test and give you some shit, but you dish it back in your own fun way. You, you got to learn how to do that too. <laughs> oh yeah, and and for everybody listening, you know, outside of Skills USA, Danny and I got to meet again shortly thereafter. Uh, we were working with CNC Millwright, based out of Greenville, Tennessee, and uh, luckily, I, I, it surprised me when Danny showed up, and I'm like, "What the hell is a bronze medal winner?" and you know, all this advanced training and shit doing coming to, you know, CNC Millwright. And we actually, outside of her competition with the Skills USA for a period of time, we got to work together and she went to one of our client sites. And not only did the guys that were assigned to that facility lover, the Japanese are the client were just blown away by the fact that a female was in the trades and was respected by their team and was performing the work that she did in that type of environment. And so, like I said, Danny and I have known each other for a while. Um, and, and Danny, I'm glad you said that, you know, because there, there's quite a few women that look at like Barbie the welder and yourself. They're like, you know, that's, that is really cool. This is a trade. I could do artistic. I could do actual industrial. I can do things like this. Um, but they worry about how the males look at them doing the same work. And, and for those listening, that's not as old as I am during World War II, you know, the women took over the industrial side because the men were fighting and they had rosy rivets and welding and everything else. And that's why I asked Danny what she thought about women in the trades today. Yeah, you you mentioned Barbie the welder. It's kind of funny. Uh, I actually emailed her not too long ago because she she's awesome. Have you seen her artwork? And yes, stuff? ma'am, I have. That's it's why amazing. I mentioned her, Danny. She she reminds me of you. I mean, you know, older version. Uh, but yeah, I've I followed her for years on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, she's great in the trades too. But that artistic side is something else. Yeah, and it's. Like you said, it, it doesn't have to be limited. Like, that's the cool thing about the trade and or the craft of welding is it doesn't have to be limited to just uh, construction work or maintenance. Like, you can – it's an art, yes, you know? It, yes, I ma'am. mean, everyone has their own signature of how their welds look like, and 
it can range from that or I mean you can just it's it's an art and it's just amazing like how the variety and how broad the industry of welding is is like a whole Yes, ma'am. You know, and for those who are listening that don't know, you know, Barbie the welder and other welders that Danny and I may mention, um, you know, there's a ton in the industrial side, underwater welding, uh, that work in the shipyards, things like that. You know, it's not restricted to just putting two pieces of pipe together. Um, and, and like I said, and Danny was talking about, you know, when we were talking about Skills USA, they give them blueprints. And you would think it would be odd some of the angles and stuff they set this at and how that triggers or is seed uh, for other ideas. At, but some of the work that you'll see out there is amazingly beautiful. The welding that some of the women and men do is strictly artistic in nature. It has nothing to do with industry or commerce. And uh, that's one thing I'm hoping that Danny goes into it sometime, you know, is to do something that, you just don't imagine somebody doing. Oh, I'd, I'd love to, um, whenever Austin and I, my fiance, whenever we get like our homestead going. Yes, ma'am. Um, maybe one day having my own shop at home and doing some, building some custom gates for people or just even going to a craft show, making bracelets or like lamps for people. That, that'd be awesome. Danny, that'd <laughs> like, be great. Well, you know, you're talking about it like that, you know, because you can go outside of the trades. So do you feel that there are benefits for men and women who may want to go into welding because they can take it to an artistic side outside of industrial or commercial? Oh, yeah. Um, Like we were talking about, I mean, it's so broad of like what you can do. I, uh, one of the instructors at Hobart, he, he used to work for a um, aerospace industry. Oh wow! And I thought I thought that was really cool. Um, it it's amazing. Like like you said earlier. I mean, it's just you can make a bunch of sculptures, and I mean, you you don't even have to be in the welding part of it. You can just be a QC and learn like the scientific part of it, and like the metal breakdowns with the metallurgy and everything. It's just it's so broad the craft is and I anyone that wants to get into it definitely should I mean even if you don't want to do it your whole career your whole life like it's amazing it's an amazing um trade to have in your back pocket at the very least okay well Dan let me ask you this you know because you saying that uh when the day comes that you may want to take some time and get off your tools and you know you were talking about doing crafts and things um what would you like to do would you ever consider teaching others welding or would you like to really just get into the crafting side or you know have have you thought that far ahead um i i haven't really thought of teaching it'd be cool like i know one one girl she she wanted to learn and i'd i'd be cool with like showing like how to do like some of the basics i'd recommend going to school um for that i i can't i don't feel like i could teach like a school can really (laughs) why not uh i i don't know i just i don't i wouldn't consider myself as having like i don't know okay Um, well let me ask you this then since you don't feel (laughs) 
like you'd be some, you know, so much of a great instructor. In your personal view, what would be the best way if, if somebody wanted to say, hey, I want to be like Danny or I want to be like Barbie? What would be the best way for anyone wanting to specialize in welding profession to get started? I mean, would you suggest anything that they focus on prior to going to like Hobart or going out to, you know, one of the schools like math or metallurgy? Or is that something they'd actually learn while in those programs? Um. It, it just depends on like where what direction you want to head into like what um if you want to do sculptures and stuff i'd recommend shadowing someone and kind of mm -hmm. learning and getting a grasp on because i mean your welding matters on how it is but you you sculpt it and you like do that type of stuff but if you're wanting to get into like the trade part of it i'd I'd recommend going to school. I'd even recommend going to school for the other two, just to kind of focus specifically on your craft, you know? And oh, good point. Really good. Yeah. That's why you're going to school is for yourself. And there's some people that on the job training is good for them. Like they'll, they'll just go right out of high school and start off as a helper, you know, and, or, or join a union or something. And, mm -hmm they'll start off as a helper kind of get into the trade and like learn on the job, which that in itself would be a good um, way to get into the industry as well. I know a lot of good welders that they, most of their experience is on the job and they, they haven't went to school, you know, it, it just varies from person to person. For me, it was school. Okay. Um, it just, those are three good things. I mean, shadowing someone going on the job it 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 doesn't really matter as long as the drive is there to want to learn how to do it you're you're gonna do it <laughs> okay well that makes sense so you know talking about welding and getting the drive so danny if you were talking about learning and everything about welding what would you say was the hardest would it be mig tig stick what was the most difficult really to get down and and you know get into the groove of doing uh i'd say tig tig, tig really hardest. yeah i mean you're using both hands you gotta focus on both and sometimes you'll have a foot pedal like if you're doing aluminum or high frequency or something like, right right you gotta use your foot <laughs> it, it's it's crazy um I always like stick welding more. It's more fun to me. Uh -huh. And I like I like getting all dusty and stuff, <laughs> I guess. It, <coughs> and watching the slag peel off, I, I love that. MIG was never my favorite, um, but that's just me. It smells okay. good. Well, I mean, everybody's got, you know, <laughs> one thing that they like or dislike. Now, for the future, Danny, do you ever see robotic welding displacing a lot of people in your profession? I mean, that you know, so many people right now are talking about how robotics and automated systems are displacing tradespeople. But do you think that that's not something that welders really have to consider themselves with? Because, I mean, you know, you may be working on a tube bundle, exotics, things like that, where you can't just stick a robot or a computer system into Um you know, but do you see that as something that's going to shut down your profession? No, no, I don't see that happening. Like you said, I mean, there's so many tight spots. You can't fit right. all that equipment to like, I mean, 
for some things, I could see it taking, like, I could see it taking some jobs in that aspect. Right, right. I could. But, like, for going and welding a pipe, a bunch of rounded, like, tubes and stuff, and you got to get in there. No one's even going to want to go set it up, you know? <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that fitter, you didn't show up again today, yeah. Yeah. Hey, he didn't really get enough know. coffee. You didn't grind it for him. I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Well, I, let me I ask you this. Really so, oh, you know, people decide they want to do MIG, they want to do TIG, whatever. Um, once they get the training, you know, and they decide, okay, I, this is not something a robot's going to do. What would you suggest they look into or, or do to find employment? You know, it's, since robots are not taken over at the time. How did you get in the nuclear field or what would you suggest they do? Is there like trade groups? Is there industrial groups that they can say, hey, you know, this is my specialty. Can I get out there? Yeah, um, there, there's a bunch of different websites you can look at. There's Indeed. I I used uh, Industrial Tradesman Magazine. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Based on yeah. Wilmington, North Carolina, all the projects. Yeah, yeah, they, they're really good. I think I got a subscription and they give you numbers and emails to call. Exactly. Yeah, they tell um, you what everybody's looking for. Yeah, and then. That's actually how I got one of my first jobs. They set me up with a company called Day and Zimmerman. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, big and shot. I went. I didn't know yeah. I was talking about Big Shot. Jesus. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But it, they, they set you up with those numbers. And then when you go out finally and get your job, I think one of the most important things is networking and getting to know the people because once you get around that good group of people if you're traveling with them you travel together and it's like oh it yeah becomes like a family environment of like oh hey i saw you a couple weeks ago or i saw you last year you know it it's just pretty cool like the people you get to meet along the way and um i know a couple of times i've had a few people i'm like hey uh we, we were on this so-called three-month job it was going to be but they laid us off in three weeks do you know of anything coming up and they're like yeah yeah let me give you a phone number of the supervisor i'm like okay and then i mean it's just i feel like that's important is to network with people as well i I love that you said that danny because when i was on construction before you and i met you know i i knew of a lot of fitters or qcs they would go on to a job and say, hey, you need to get this welder because I was two jobs ago with, I'm just throwing this name out, Praxair, or I was on this with Nitrogen. And this guy did, or and this female did some amazing welds, you know, 30 feet off the ground, inverted, did this, did this, passed every inspection. So yeah, you're absolutely right. That networking, especially for somebody, you know, like you and, and some of the other welders, and, you know, a fitter said, oh, you know, this guy was great. He'd, he'd do so many yards. He'd get this. And, yeah, that that's that's a good way to look at that. Yeah, that networking is critical. Well, Danny, before we get out of here, you know, and we're talking about networking because, you know, we've got that limitation. If people want to connect with you or to ask you more questions about the Hobart School or anything else, how can they connect or find you or what would be appropriate that's not considered stalking um, for them to get with you? 
you know, because what if they want to drink some PBR? Why the fuck they'd want to do that instead of Michelob? I don't know. Um, but that's Michelob's pretty good too. Yeah, well, if you can find it now, it's all Michelob light and ultra light. I mean, I know bikini season's coming up, but this body of mine's not going to get any better. But what would be the best way for people to find a connect with you in, in a professional sense, you know, and say, Hey, Danny, what was the catalyst? What do you do? How do you get over this hurdle? Um, I actually made just recently this past year, I made an Instagram account specifically for my welding. Really? Um, I did. Yeah. Hot shot. Yeah. Next thing <laughs> I know, you'll have a damn TikTok. I do. I have a TikTok. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I actually follow her on that guy. So I'm just, I follow that. him too. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my Instagram name is the junkyard underscore welder. The fuck is that? <laughs> I'm gonna look that up, Danny. I think I already have, but I'll, I'll double check. Or I mean, I'm pretty sure you could probably just search up Danielle Davis, and it should pop up on Instagram. I I'm prefer not sure. junkyard. I, keep going with that, huh? <laughs> yeah, and um, my email. I don't really look at my email because I get a lot of spam. No, no, but... just give out how you would prefer them connect with you in okay. reference to welding. If you want to get the email, that's up to you. But, yeah, you yeah, perverts t- out there, I know you're pretending <laughs> to be a welder and you're actually a fitter and you don't give a shit. Yeah, you fucking perverts. That's it. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, choke up on that one, Danny. <laughs> Instagram's a good way to get a hold of me because I made it specifically for my welding. Um, my TikTok, it's Danielle Davis 4577. That's more for me just being goofy. You have <laughs> to I have think. that downtime, Danny. You have yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Austin puts up with your shit, but I mean, I did that came out, but it, I can, I'm not going to take that out of the show. No. <laughs> but yeah, those two ways is. Uh, yeah. Well, Danny, before we get off, other than Austin and Austin, God bless you. Thank you for getting with Danny because love her to death. Like I said, I've, I've got to know her since Skills USA, working CNC Millwright. Danny, is there anybody or any organization or any entity you'd like to give a shout out to and, you know, let them know that they participated in your development as such a amazing craftsperson? Um, and doing the things that you do today, please feel free to do so now. Oh, wow. Um, there's a lot, actually. Uh, my dad, my mom, uh, my mom's new husband, Mike. Um, I worked with Arc Energy. They they have shown me quite a bit. I know that Chuck Perducini, he he helped me a lot. He kind of helped me gain some confidence along the way, and that was pretty cool. Thank whenever you, I was first starting out, um, lot lots of people. I I worked with a lot of the people my dad used to work with. They kind of watched out for me on the road. And Shay Atterbury, she introduced me to my fiance Austin. Thank so, you, Shay. You yeah, hussy. thank you. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it, they they went to the same school together oh wow and it's amazing like how i met her and i was able to meet austin through another female welder and she has an instagram as well um i think she's called the welding princess oh my god 
that's not something I'd, you know, consider welding. But hey, that's great. I love that. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of people I I can't really think of off the top of my head right now. But thank you, everyone, for being there. That that's one of the most important things is having a good group of people to like support you. And you, Alan, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Like, like yeah. I said, it, it it was my pleasure and my privilege, to, like I said, to ride with you on that bus, to see the amazing work you did during the Skills USA thing, then get to work with you during CNC Millwright. And then, you know, most recently, uh, see you traveling, seeing you get with Austin, being happy and developing into the kind of thing we want, you know, people that we know and respect to be. And, you know, Danny, thank you for coming on to the show and being a part of this and, you know, catching me up on what the important people in my life are doing. And for those who are listening, thank you for joining us today on Diary of Bald Man. Again, you've got to listen to Daniel Davis. And one of the things we always try to put out there is please plan, prepare, communicate, engage with one another. Uh, don't forget the people, as Danielle did, you know, to bring up and say, hey, these people got me to this point. These people helped me along the way because in our lives, we influence or affect others. Thank you for listening. God bless you, Daniel. Thank you for being part of the show. Love you to death. Love your parents and respect them greatly for the everything. Austin, thank you for taking care of her. Now you guys get the hell out of here. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You have been listening to Diary of a Bald Man. Alan Wofford has left the building.